Can you imagine being Joseph? I know we focus a lot on Mary, and rightfully so. But can you imagine being Joseph when you find that your prearranged marriage, you're, you're, you're engaged, and she's pregnant, and you know it's not you? Can you imagine what would go through your mind? And yet, the Bible says he was a righteous man and didn't want to make an open public display of her. So he was going to divorce her privately, secretly, without any fanfare. But the angel of the Lord spoke to him and he obeyed. Isn't that an amazing story? I want to talk to you today about, about Christmas. I, I love Christmas. I, I love everything about Christmas. I, I love the idea of family getting around. I love tree. I love the Christmas trees. I, I'm glad my wife loves Christmas trees. We only have two up this year. Usually she puts up three. You think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not. Uh, I love the decorations. Uh, usually in our house, uh, Thanksgiving morning, Christmas starts Thanksgiving morning because we get up early to put the turkey on. Of course, I have to get the turkey ready, make it do the turkey dance. And then, and then uh, anybody ever do that? Make turkey? Yeah, it's kind of fun. I'll try it sometime. Uh, it inspires the children. Uh, when they're young, when they're older, they just look at you like, oh, dad. Uh, but, uh, but I love that. It starts with, uh, you know, that morning and listening to uh, uh, the Carpenter's Christmas and doing all of that stuff. I love the music. I just love the, the ambiance. I love the atmosphere of Christmas. Isn't it incredible? It's amazing. And, uh, I'll tell you, one of the things that I really miss this time of year is I miss my father-in-law. Because my father-in-law, well, you know, he, was a, he loved sports. and He, he was a big guy, loved, loved, played sports, played um, played semi-pro baseball. He did all these stuff. But he was beyond that. He was my competition for, uh, you know, for land, land speed records between Arkansas and California. I mean, you know, when we hadn't seen each other, he he'd called me when he was in Bakersfield once and got up to the Bay Area, walked in the door, and the first thing he said was, three and a half hours, Jess, three and a half hours. Not, not hi, good to see you, not how, it's the three and a half hours, like, I beat your time. And I thought, fight's on. I well, loved him, but well, one of the things I really enjoyed about him, he was my Hallmark movie watching buddy. I know. I, I, I'm sharing something with you that I probably shouldn't share because you're going to look at me in a different way, but I love Hallmark movies. I have no one to watch them. My wife thinks they're too girly. But the, what I, I tell you what I like about them is because is, pretty much every one of them is exactly the same. There's, there's somebody that's disillusioned and, and, and then, they, then they move back to their little town and then there's some local person in the little town that helps them catch their vision again. And there's a dog. <laughs> every single one. But what I like about it is, is it's fun. It's fun because you know it's going to end well. Don't you love when a movie or a show ends well? I mean, I like that, you know? I always liked it when, you know, when, when the old shows, because if, if there was a, a show on and, and you knew that the, that the person wasn't going to get killed off, I don't care what circumstance he was in, he was going to make it because they were going to have to show it next week. 
That's the way Hallmark is. It's always about this great hope, this great opportunity. It's about getting your vision correct about the true meaning of Christmas. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about the hope of Christmas. And the hope of Christmas is more than just the promise of family and friends and and gifts and presents and Hallmark movies. But I will promise you this. I don't know why I'm on Hallmark movies, but I will promise you this. If you ever and ever watch them, you need to try because you'll you'll wake up the next day feeling great. Uh, But our hope. Our hope extends beyond this life. Look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He says, And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. I'm thankful for what Christ has done for me, aren't you? I mean, when we were in here and we were worshiping the Lord and feeling God's presence, man, there's nothing like that, knowing that you know the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he's smiling at you. That is incredible. That is amazing. That is, there's something about knowing that when you lay your head on your pillow at night, that that you are right with God. Man, that's amazing. That is incredible. And there's this hope in Christ that he has purged our sins. He has pardoned our transgressions. That he has made things right between us and our creator. And man, I am so thankful for that. But here's the thing. If we only had hope in this life, Paul said we'd be the most miserable people in the world. See, our hope is not just in this life. Our hope is in the life to come. We have hope here, but we also have hope there. Our hope is not temporal. Our hope is eternal. Our hope is beyond the life we see. Christ being fully God and fully man. That's why the virgin birth is so essential because he was not fully man alone, but he was fully God. And being fully God, he was eternal and could be offered as a sacrifice eternally for our sins. Our sins. Do you realize our sins were eternal? That if we die in our sins, that, that we're punished throughout eternity. But the salvation of Christ is eternal as well. That his forgiveness is not just for today or tomorrow or next week or next a thousand years. But it's for eternity that our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. We are a forgiven people because Christ was fully God and fully man and was able to be the perfect sacrifice for us. And our, ba- our Savior came as a babe in a manger. But do you realize we have a hope beyond that? Because Christ came and our hope doesn't just extend to the babe in the manger that grew up and died on a cross. But he came the first time as a babe in the manger. The second time he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's our hope. We have a hope that he is coming back. He is coming back for you and I. So the hope of Christmas is eternal. One of the other things I like about it, it's for everyone. Paul told the church in Colossae, he said to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory 
Christ in you. The eternal Spirit of God living in you. Not the temporal, not, not the temporary Spirit of God, but the eternal Spirit of God living in you. Do you realize that this is for every person? This is for every nation. There isn't a select group or language or race or culture that, that Christ died for, but Christ died for all. The hope is for all that, that place their trust in him as their Lord and Savior. Man, this is a great hope. He didn't die for a select few. He died for all. The gospel can overcome any racial and educational and economic and social barrier. The gospel transcends culture. It's in culture. It's above culture. It overcomes culture. The gospel is always atemporal. It lives in time and out of time. The gospel is overwhelming. It's convincing. It's truth. That's why we celebrate. It's the gospel. It's the hope. The gospel is never obsolete. There's a lot of things that, that are obsolete now. But when they, you know, a few years ago they were perfect, but now they're obsolete. You know, you, know, you might buy something now, and then we, we were going through some stuff the other day at the house. And, and uh, my daughter found an original Game Boy. I know, some of you are thinking, I still have mine too. Uh, in working order. And you, we think, man, this is an antique. You know, I don't even know if you can buy games for it. It still works, but nobody uses them. They even had an iPod. Remember the iPods? You'd put all your, all your you know, songs on it. And you'd carry it around with you. Then you had your phone and your iPod. And... That those things are gone because you don't need them anymore because you have the almighty smartphone. The problem is my phone is smarter than I am. I have a hard time getting it to do what I want to do. But it's, the gospel never goes out of style. The gospel is never obsolete. 2,000 years ago it was preached and people received it and, and people have received the gospel today because the gospel is not about our culture. It doesn't live within our culture. It's a beyond culture. It's, it deals with the heart of man and the heart of man doesn't matter which culture it's in. We all have the same need and that same need is a Savior and that Savior is Christ the Lord. The gospel is never obsolete. Do you realize that the gospel is the power of God for salvation? Romans 1.16 says, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation of everyone that believes. If you believe, it's the power of God in your life. It's the gospel that Christ became a man that he, that he was born in a manger, that he lived and died for our sins. It's the glorious gospel that the creator became part of his creation that he gave all that we may have all it is a glorious gospel a good news that God loves us that God cares for us and God redeems us that's the gospel I'm not ashamed of the gospel are you man I'm thankful for it 
The gospel tells us that we are a new creation in him. Galatians 3.28 says there's not a Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, male nor female. Those are all things about this life. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are a creation of Christ, if you have been born again, if the gospel is real and, and, and relevant and alive in your life, it's not about whether you're a Jew or a Greek or an American or, or, or some other country. It's not about being a slave or free, male or female. It's about knowing Jesus Christ and allowing the new birth to transform you. We're all one. This is the hope that we have in him. See, and also the gospel is not only our hope, but it's been entrusted to you and I. Jude 1.3 says, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, we all share the same salvation. You know, I know there's a lot of things in, in our world today, in our culture today, that, that says that there's many ways to get to heaven. You don't, you don't really hear me say a whole lot about other religions or anything like that because I have too much time focusing on, on, what, on the good things of Christ. But I will tell you this, that when the Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come unto the Father but through Jesus Christ, I believe it. Doesn't make us superior, but it, also, it does make us responsible. Because look what, what Jude says. I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. Do you realize that the gospel has been entrusted to us? That the angels don't preach the gospel? When, when Peter, or when, when, uh, when Nicodemus was praying and an angel appeared to him, he said, go get Simon Peter. He's over at Simon the Tanner's house. He'll tell you words where you must be saved because angels do not preach the gospel. The only people that preach the gospel is you and I. It's been entrusted to us. The greatest, the greatest story ever told, the greatest blessing of humanity, the greatest privilege of being uh, ushered into the family of God has been entrusted to human hands, to you and I, that God cares so much and trusts us so much, that trusts you so much, that he's placed the gospel in your hands. And with that handful on the day of Pentecost, they turn the world upside down. And do you realize today it's not about our power, but it's about the power of the gospel and it's been entrusted to us. And when we live that gospel, when we share that gospel, when we deliver that gospel, we're not doing the work, but the power of the gospel itself can transform lives. We are just the, the conduit of the presence of God. We are the mouthpiece for, the, for what Christ has done. And it's been entrusted to us. What a privilege. What an honor. Is it any wonder that the adversary of our soul always tries to make us feel like we're not good enough to share the gospel, that we're not strong enough to share the gospel, that we're too weak to share the gospel, that we're too intimidated to share the gospel? Have you ever wondered why that he does a lot of trash talking? I can tell you why. The reason why he does a lot of trash talking is because he's really afraid 
of what's going to happen when God's people step out and begin to share and proclaim the good news of the gospel that Christ died for us, that we can have peace and joy and blessing, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And he has entrusted that to us. I love that. You know what the good news does and what the gospel does? It brings hope. Hope. The hope of the gospel. Look what, look what 1 Peter 1.3 says. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have hope. We have a living hope. And it doesn't matter what we're facing. It doesn't matter what this world puts on us. It doesn't matter what we're experiencing. There's something deep embedded in every child of God that there is a living hope. It says, as Job said, though the skin worms may eat this flesh, in my flesh I shall see the Lord. There's something about us. In Micah 7, 8, rejoice not against me, mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. There's something, there's a living hope that no matter what we're facing today, there is going to be a bright tomorrow because Christ has made us his own. I know I'm preaching to myself. So I'm going to say amen. And there's a couple of parts in there I had to say, oh me. When I first started going to church, this was way back when dinosaurs roamed the land. Uh, I'd always sit on the front row because we had, we had altars. If you don't know what an altar is, it's, they used to call them mourner's benches. When people would give invitations, you'd come down and kneel at an altar. Anybody remember that? Okay. I would, always, I would always sit on the front row because if there was something that the preacher said and it got me, all I had to do is fall over. I didn't, have to do, I didn't have to do the walk. I just fell over. I was right there. Man. We have more to rejoice in. We have a hope. We have a hope in this world. This world has little hope. There's pessimism is the story of the day. I mean, I mean, I was looking at watching something the other day, and I mean, I got so depressed. I, I mean, I was almost in despair. I had to quit watching the news. It was terrible. Because everything around us is just bad. It's negative. It's, there's nothing glorious. There's nothing good. And you know, There's good things that are happening, but they don't. They don't, pro, um, they don't shed that light on the good things. They're always talking about the negative things. And if you allow yourself to be focused on this world, it will bring you down. This is what for, uh, Peter said. He said, but praise be to God that he has given us this new birth that we have an opportunity to, to rejoice in the great mercy in this new birth from the re that, that Christ has given us through his resurrection. But it's up to us to keep our eyes focused, to keep, keep our lives focused. I remember in 1990, they, they launched the Hubble telescope. Remember that? They launched the Hubble telescope, and it was really incredible. What they really wanted to do was get beyond our atmosphere because our atmosphere kind of obscures things. So when they get out and they actually have it in space, it's in, it's in a low orbit around the Earth that they can see better. 
so they so they built the Hubble telescope, launched it. They were anticipating those pictures, and when they got the first pictures back, they were blurry. You know, because they, they, they did research and they studied it and studied it and they found out that they, when they were doing, when they were building the lens, that it was off one-fiftieth of an inch. What it really means was the Hubble telescope was nearsighted. So they fixed it in 1993. They sent one of the shuttles up and the astronauts repaired it and basically what it did is it gave it a set of glasses. You didn't know that the Hubble telescope wears glasses, did you? But now, you can see clearly. Sometimes when we, when we allow the affairs of this life to, to obscure us, we can, we can become nearsighted. We look at everything right here, but what's to come is blurry, and we can lose hope. But when we rejoice and we keep our focus on the joy of the gospel, the meaning of this season. It allows our eyesight to be clear and pure, and we begin to focus on the eternal and not on the temporal. Can I encourage you today, if you're allowing things to obscure your, your view, would you begin to praise the Lord? Would you look at the real meaning of this season? And allow the joy and the peace and personal satisfaction to be found in you. For all of us, it's easy to lose ourselves. But here, here's the thing. When, if you want that, it's, it doesn't come the way most things come in this world. You don't scratch your way through. You don't fight your way through. You don't intimidate your way through. The only way that we can, that we can have all of this joy and this perspective is through losing ourselves. Jesus said in Mark 8.35, whoever, I love that whoever, put your name there. For if Jesse wants to save his life, he will lose it. But if Jesse loses his life for me and for the gospel, he will save it. Put your name there. If you really want the joy and the goodness of the gospel in your life, it comes through surrender to him. Surrendering your ideas, surrendering your will, surrendering your, your opinion on how things should be and how life should operate and allowing the Lord to have reign in your life.